Oh, hey, pal. <laughs> Hi, buddies. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> well, now it sounds like you have to tell them how it's going for you. <laughs> nah. Hey, pals. Hey, buddies. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Hybel study. study. The only time where the terms God and stoned actually lead to a good time. If you haven't listened before, awesome. We are a couple of former Christians. And what we like to do here is hash out what more realistically could be happening in these Bible stories. And ultimately what these characters might have been experiencing while living through all of this. Because we still know that there are great spiritual takeaways in this big book. But those have been muddled in way too much dogma for 2,000 years now. So, feel free to get your Bibles out, follow along. Or like in church, just listen and take our word as fact. Her name's Mary, my name's Justin. Now that that's out of the way, we're going to start our study by looking to a popular daily devotional Bible study called Experiencing God, written by Henry Blackaby, Richard Blackaby, and Claude King. Yeah, Experiencing God, day two. Jesus is your model. Jesus watched to see where the Father was at work and joined him. I feel like I have feelings. Do you have feelings? I want to hear your feelings. I have to find my feelings. Ah. Jesus didn't have to watch. He, he knew whether or not there was like a board meeting beforehand. Okay, but this is the plan. We're going by the plan. Or that's just like because he is God. So he's doing his already. What he's doing, he's not listening to someone else. Huh. Yeah, you're right. He knew, but also he was in his human form. So he needed to do it the human way. He was like, oh yeah, I'm human. I should do this human thing this time. What was the human thing? I don't have examples, man. He was a carpenter. That's an example. He was human. <laughs> he did the hard work in that. He didn't just be like, bam, house built. He worked. He got a trade job and quit before it got real to wander the desert with a bunch of bros telling people to just live a good life, man. You're okay. telling me that's not human? That is very human. But you're, you're saying like, oh, he's dedicated or whatever he was strong he was a carpenter i don't know he did the hard work he did not do the hard work he stopped doing the hard work found whatever drug found some bros <laughs> yeah my, my he was like hey guys you want to meet god and then she goes a little, <laughs> shakes a little statue of uh, shrooms <laughs> oh my gosh that's exactly it <laughs> yeah like <laughs> when people say today why wouldn't they say a version back then <laughs> <laughs> like do do people just think that like the like one day drugs just automatically existed like they just weren't there before then all of a sudden bam, like, I can't snap do do your thing snap good you got to get faster snapping for me oh yeah um and then you know like oh drugs drugs just everywhere I mean that's probably in part to the whole you know drug war crap of right decades ago but let's be real opium was huge in that part of the world. Mm -hmm. Fucking huge. You're trying to tell me that Jesus wasn't on that? <laughs> you know he was. 
And you're tr- nobody can t- convince me that Jesus didn't smoke some weed. <laughs> that was medicine. Like, <laughs> you can't convince me that he didn't smoke weed. It's used for meditation. It's used for medicine. It's used for so much. Is now still and was then. Okay, so our next shirt is um, just Jesus holding a bag saying, want to meet God? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Can there be like little shroomies falling out of the bag? Yeah. I love it. (laughs) That'd be so funny. Oh my gosh. I did not go into this whole thing intending to be making shirts, but these are perfect. They sound so fun. (laughs) How far did we get in this lesson? We didn't start, did we? We, we started barely. We read an intro. <laughs> Something to prepare you for it. And then it's, it's telling us to look to see what God says and how his works in the scriptures make your decisions and evaluate your experience based on biblical truths. And we have a little verse here. Malachi 3.6 said, I, the Lord, do not change. However, we need to check them. Oh yeah, I gotta pull out my... For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Okay, so this is just saying that right here, in this instance, God didn't change his mind on them, so they're not in trouble right now. That is out of context, in context, fullest thing. That doesn't mean that he's not going to be different sometimes. Right. He's putting the good parts Mm-hmm. making you forget the bad parts he's just like oh i don't change so you're not gonna burn right <laughs> I'm, I'm okay right now like okay let's see what is what does five say you want me to read it right um that one's a big one i'll read it i don't like reading out loud <laughs> <laughs> and i will come near to you to judgment and i will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling and his wages the widow and the fatherless and that turn aside the stranger from his right and fear not me saith lord hosts. yes we're given all that i can now see how the regular interpretation yeah so i think you need to include five and six i have to point out something that's completely off topic but go for it just this made me think of um widows are talked about so much in the bible but i find it is christians who have treated me the poorest since i became a widow oh so the Bible talks a lot about how you're to treat a widow and how they're to be cared for. And I find a lot of Christians, rather than coming from that point of view, have come to me with the, this happened because you didn't believe good enough, and this is your fault. And now you have to pay the consequences for that. Okay, I think I'm going to cry a little bit. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not your fault. I'm sorry. No, keep talking. I just think that it's like such a double standard because you get these people in the church who preach like this is how you treat a widow. This is how you treat the the orphans, the parentless. When it comes to real life, they treat them like shit and let them fall through the cracks of the system that they poorly built. And it's it's another example of the strong Christian hypocrisy that we see daily in society and it makes me really sad because i'm not the only one experiencing this shit (laughs) i have not experienced the half of what 
some of the people in my widow groups have experienced. Some of those people are treated horribly. I'm really thankful to have the people I do in my life. It's just those those few that really irk me here and there. I just had to throw that out there because that's again another place where widows are mentioned in the Bible. I just think it's interesting how frequently they're mentioned in the Bible. It's not like something that's talked about. It's really not because it's not it's not a main focus, but when it comes up in the verses, it's very respected when it's, you know, whenever it does come up, it's just respected. Everybody understands widows and orphans are like, I don't know, there's an air to that mm-hmm. of like, they're fragile people. We need to protect them. Just the hypocrisy of what parts of the Bible need to be upheld and what parts don't yes yes very much so because widows and orphans they cost a lot of money absolutely but you don't have to have money to support and love you just Mm -hmm. have to have kind words and if you can't have that then you shut up and walk away (laughs) how hard is that (laughs) so i'd say back in but we'd have to actually start yeah okay During this course and throughout your life, you will have times when you want to respond to situations based on your own experiences or your own wisdom. Yeah, why not? Uh, Such an approach will get you trouble. (laughs) Okay, so don't listen to your gut. Don't listen to your intuition. Your intuition's wrong. This should be your guideline. Always go to the Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of your situation to you. Okay, in a perfect world, yes. Can you always just have the time to say, one second, let me go sit quietly somewhere for two to three hours and think about this and right. get back to you? No, you can't always do that. Shit, I don't, I'm somebody who likes to use a pendulum and tarot cards, but <laughs> I'll take them with me and be like, <laughs> should I get the tacos for lunch? And get my yes or no, you know? Well, <laughs> like, I mean, in the Bible, they do tell you what to eat on certain days, so... Yeah, you should be using them. I'm saying it. It's it is <laughs> silly. Me too. To <laughs> to ask somebody to do that for every little decision mm-hmm. in your intuition. If you are as close to God in this relationship as this guy is claiming to be, that Holy Spirit should be that intuition, that gut. So you should be listening to that. Well, I guess this book is for the people who aren't, though. Like, they don't have that as their intuition. But isn't it so highly targeted at people that have at least been there and are just, like, questioning? It just feels so counterintuitive to what you want your end goal to be with Christianity. Mm -hmm. Because you want that Holy Spirit conscience in you. That is a, a major goal as a Christian, right? You, you want to just be able to know this is what God would do. So it feels so counterintuitive to be like, don't listen to yourself. Don't listen to your instinct. Because if you are seeking that relationship with God, God should be your instinct, right? What if this is the start? Maybe the, maybe get some credit. Like right now, don't try to do that. Try to look in like when you can. Okay. Then maybe it'll transition more into you can handle this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll see. I'll give it some some grace here. Look to see what God says and how he works in the scriptures. Make your decisions and evaluate experience based on biblical truths. 
within any book, something that they state and is in their universe, would that still count as a truth? I guess that would depend on the context, because if they're speaking hypotheticals, that's obviously not going to be a truth, but like, well... Like, okay, Star Wars canon, there is the Force. Is that a considered truth in that, even though it's not really a truth out here? No, that's really complex, because when you really get down to it, the truth for everyone is different because of how our brains are wired. We see different things and notice different things, so we make the story our own way. Well, kind of, yeah. But we, yeah, we see if, if we have made our prejudgments on anything, we, our brain is wired to believe that those things are true. Somebody's living with somebody and they see that this person never takes out the trash and they never do their chores or whatever. They have these preconceived notions that this person is lazy. So even if this person person is busting their ass in different ways, this other person sees them as lazy. And that's just their truth. Even though other people can see this person's working in these other ways that's helping the household. They're taking care of the, the leaks. They're taking care of insulation they're taking care of the cars whatever it may be it's equally important it's just preconceived notions Mm -hmm. uh when you study the scriptures do not base your decision on one isolated verse or story yeah it's a good thing Mm -hmm. i don't think anyone's told me to do that though yeah i don't think so either just just open the bible got the holy spirit he'll tell you you'll go right to the thing and you read it and you'll get a new understanding of how this can help me oh absolutely not read some random crap and maybe you can figure something out that's realistic Mm -hmm. let's see how uh, god generally works throughout the scriptures uh when you learn how god had consistently related to people throughout history you can expect him to work in a similar way with you yes because sometimes, you know, he does things, sometimes he does different things, so maybe. It might work out. <laughs> Just maybe. Yeah. We don't really know. All I can think about is Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> <laughs> Show me what you got. <laughs> uh, yes, your experience is valid only as it is confirmed in the scriptures. So, only look at the stories that played out in your life that you can completely match to someone else's story in the scripture. And because don't look on your past experiences unless you already look in the, the Bible to see that, oh, your past experiences match with something else. So now that past experience is good. You know, if it worked out for them, then you know that it worked out for you, which by this point, you should already know that it worked out for you. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> There is no way to find a story that lines up enough with everyone's each individual experience. No freaking way. I don't care how fat the Bible is. What if the whole point of the exercise is to realize that there isn't one like mine? Because nobody else has the same. So nobody in the Bible has your answer. Only God has your answer. You gotta follow them. Oh, shit. But what if you already just know that? Then that's a whole waste of time. Well, if that is the truth, then now I know that because I just thought of it. Okay, no, I really love that idea, though. Yeah? Yeah. Elaborate on it. What do you mean? What do you love about it? How it's a 
an exercise you're meant to fail. Yeah, yeah. And then once you realize that, then you're like, okay, so I don't need to keep looking into this. Mm-hmm. I can go back to it if I need to, but I just need to keep going with what I've been doing so far. Yeah, and no, I get that. We did it. We did it. Yeah, we, we finished it on... Now, we just started day two. It's not... This isn't going to get you there. you got to have that experience. You don't know when you're going to have that experience. Have the experience. Have it. Podcast done. Yep. Yep, that was one and done. There we go, folks. <laughs> Look at that. Send it off. Oh, yeah. Catch you later, guys. See ya. <laughs> now, if I could experience multiple universes, I would totally do that in one. That would be very fun. (laughs) (laughs) I never deny anyone's personal experience. I always reserve the right, however, to interpret it according to what I understand from scripture. So, you know, just what people do. Yeah, I was going to say, I can respect that because I do the same thing. Like, I respect your point of view, but this is how I interpret what happened with you. But is he trying to say that he's better than you? But I mean, like... I don't know. I kind of, I just see it as like, if a Christian were to come to me and tell me that they prayed and God healed them of this sickness that they had, to me, I would be like, that's great. I'm glad that you had that experience. But I would perceive that more as you were sick and you were taking care of yourself and you're now better. (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, how long did that take? Like, oh, I was better in two weeks. It's like, that's normal. Right, like, right. Like, you shouldn't have to do something for two weeks for it to take effect. It's like... Right, because also... Or cold or something. When you're sick and you're praying that God heals you, you're not just not taking care of any of it either. You are taking cold you're, medicine. You're, yeah. you're not avoiding that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, well, obviously, you're taking care of it. Sometimes. I would say for the most part, people typically take medicine and stuff Mm -hmm. when they are sick and eat foods that are good for them when they are sick, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, of course you're going to get better. That's how your body works. It's made (laughs) to get better. (laughs) See, from what he understands. At times, individuals get upset with me and say, I don't care what you've said. I've experienced this. And I kindly respond. I do not deny your experience, but I question your interpretation of what happened because it's contrary to what I see in God's word. So it is a very leader role because then people are like, look, I came for your help. I feel like you're shutting me down. Pretty much. That's exactly what I heard from that. That's a, I feel like it's just an unhealthy way to handle like a, yes, I'm better at you situation because there's this weird religion wrapped up into like you and who you're talking to whereas a therapist yes they are better than you and you're paying them for that right right (laughs) our experiences cannot be our guide every event in your life must be understood and interpreted by the scriptures for the god revealed in scripture does not change except when he does we'll get to that okay let's let's mark some statements true or false so we can be wrong here I can trust my experiences as an effective way to know and follow God. According to this book, false. Yeah, false. But according to that statement, 
What do you mean? If it wasn't in this book, if someone just asked you this question on the street, this is a very random question. You should run away from that person. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't get dates. <laughs> no. Do you ask these questions to people on the street? <laughs> no. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Outside of this book, absolutely. Because yeah. as a Christian, that's what held me into Christianity as long as it did. I didn't want to leave because I had so many of many of these experiences that I related to the Holy Spirit or to God. And those experiences and feelings that I had were a very big part of my relationship with God. So to just deny that and just pretend it's not a thing and to just like exclude it seems so backwards. <laughs> I'm not speaking as an atheist right now. Not an atheist, agnostic, whatever I am. I don't know what I am. <laughs> I believe in something, but... <laughs> speaking from my experience as a Christian, my experiences connecting to God, feeling God, feeling the Holy Spirit, were the core of my relationship with God. If I didn't feel him, it didn't feel real. That is a very wild take. I wasn't expecting <laughs> any of that. Sorry. Yeah. That's, no, that's wonderful. I was thinking I'm like more from you. You really don't usually learn from good experiences. Right. You need to look back and see like, what could I have done differently? And then that's where you'll get better moving forward. <laughs> right. Right. I totally agree. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. We were in some true and false <clears throat> statements. Oh, yes. Yep, yep, yep. We're, we should be on the second one? Yes. <laughs> I should always evaluate my experiences based on the truths I find in God's word. True. And what about for you? Super false. <laughs> God's word is not the Bible. The Bible is written by man. It has been, again, I'm saying it, it's been translated so many times. <laughs> That it is not a reliable source. You cannot trust what is in the Bible. It has been changed. People have been paid. They don't give a fuck what it says. They're just caring about the money that they're making to translate it. Who knows if they even believed what they're translating. They don't have to believe it to translate. No, no, no. <laughs> if they're getting extra money, what do they care? <laughs> Unfortunately, they caused a lot of, a lot of societal problems doing so. But, you know. We're not going to get into that right now because that'll be several hours. I really appreciate this. Like you're, you're just so like you're, you're going wild on this tonight. I'm, I have like these practical ideas. Oh, but you're like <laughs> taking them like bam to another level. This is just my impulse feelings on them. That's why I got to do this high. You're just, getting my yeah. impulse reactions and responses. That's great. <laughs> okay, uh, I may get a distorted understanding of God if I do not check my experiences against the truths of Scripture. Yes, to yeah, the book. Yeah, true, true to the book. And I would still say true just in general because... I would also say true to that. Yeah. yeah, because even outside of the Bible, I think it's important to learn from history and to, to learn from those who have lived before us, even those who live today, but learn from experiences. Find people with stories that are similar to yours. But again... Nobody's life is ever going to be the same as yours. 
Okay, last one. I can trust God to work in my life similarly to ways I see him working throughout the scriptures. Yes, to yeah. work. But, I mean, do you want to talk about it? I feel like we already over-talked about it. Yeah, exactly. So do I. Yeah. It's like, we don't need to do that. Yeah. Uh, statements B, C, and D are true. The first statement is false because your experiences must be interpreted in light of the scriptures. Experience alone is not a trustworthy guide. You must be cautious about isolating a single event from the context of scripture instead. Observe the way God works throughout the Bible. You never go wrong if under the Holy Spirit's instruction you let the Bible be your guide. Whew. But I mean, we've already talked about this because this answer is already said in the text above this question, so... Do you have anything else to add to that? <clears throat> no, that's pretty much what I expected from him. Okay. Subtitle, The Bible is Your Guide. Ooh. I'm intrigued about this section. Uh, Christians are becoming more and more unfamiliar with the Bible as a guide for their daily living. But as a lesson book, if the Bible is just a lesson book, like this thing, you know, the goal is not to go back to this. Yeah, that's a good need point. It. That's a good point. You're supposed to just get what you're supposed to get out of it. Mm -hmm. But I guess some people would argue it is something that you would go back to with a different perspective to get a new understanding from. Yeah. Yeah, like you can always you can always re-reference like the things your experience. <laughs> right. And other things like, oh I remember this. No, like okay, but I think where it says as the Bible as a guide for their daily living. So then like you're not needing to pick up a Bible every day of your life. That's that's different than that situation where it's like, oh, like, what was this thing about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I see. Like, you don't need to use it every day. Yeah. If you know it, you can just meditate on it. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Consequently, they turn to worldly solutions, programs, and methods that appear to be answers to spiritual problems. This technically is a program that appears to be an answer to a spiritual problem. Yes. Because it could work for someone, it could not work for someone. Mm -hmm. Well, because spiritual problems go so much deeper than the Bible talks about. It's not going to help somebody who's going through a spiritual crisis <laughs> that's past what the Bible talks about, <laughs> you know? I use God's word as a guide to what I should do. Some people say, Henry... That is not practical. They want me to disregard the Bible and to rely on the world's ways or on personal experience. Well, I don't think they're telling you to disregard it completely, but be open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I see that. Mm -hmm. Like, at least open your eyes. Open your mind. Be open to new ideas. Different ideas, I guess. But I mean, he still says that he has to go back every day and to use God's word as a guide for everything. Yet maybe he is still finding his problems in the book of the Bible. Oh. He doesn't have the realization that we've totally just made up as a thing that happens. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Wow, he doesn't have a lot of life experience. No, he's got to level up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but as a Christian disciple, I cannot abandon the guidance I find in the Bible. The Bible is my guide for how to relate to God and how to live my life. Okay, yeah, that's that's fine. We're not telling you to abandon the guidance. You can still use it as a guide. 
And in a technical sense, the Bible would be your guide for how mm-hmm. to relate to that Bible's God to your life. But then you should also, you know, what else can you look at? I don't know. There's, you, you, you don't want a second opinion on your eternal life. Right. <laughs> like, you know what? This book said it. I believe it. It's probably right. Let's see. How do you let God's word become your guide? When I seek God's direction, I insist on following the directives I see in his word. Yesterday's lesson is an example. Does God call people to follow him without giving them all the details in advance? We know he called Abram to follow that way. Is that a pattern consistent in the scriptures? So now we have some scriptures to look at and um, write down what Jesus told these people to do. Mm, okay. So the first one is Matthew four eighteen to 20. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Okay, do you want to know what I was imagining like he was saying with that? What? Hey, you tired of reeling all those fish? Come on, let's go to the bar and pick up chicks. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, let's get this oh, yeah, party long... started, man. I mean, and they're like, you know what? It was a long day. Let's... This guy seems fun. Yeah. And then he, they try whatever he had, and then they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll go to the desert, sure. Yeah, fuck this life. Uh-huh. Let's go spread good. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Took him to a brothel and opened their eyes. Yeah, he, <laughs> took them to a brothel and opened their eyes. I mean, yeah, I Jesus right. loved prostitutes. He did. <laughs> he did. Oh, and then the next one is the next two verses. Oh. Uh, 21 and 22. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, Zebedee John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. (laughs) Again, it's just like, hey, you know all that work you've been learning to do from your father? Like, my father's got a different plan. Yeah, come (laughs) come on. (laughs) I'm gonna make you fishers of men. (laughs) Set up this brothel over here. Like, yeah, and they immediately left the ship and their father. There there had to be something other than, like, oh, just the will of God working in them. Because when there's the will of God, then there is not the free will because it's the will of God. <laughs> exactly. That's completely separate from free will. Yeah, everyone now is like, oh, you have to be a tool. You have to be a vessel so you can do it. But then that means you're not doing anything. Yes, it's not free will at that point. Uh-huh. God is working in you. That is God's will, not your will. And they, they would say, like they are hearing this and say, yes, yes, y- yes. This is what this is what I hear in church. But it's like, yes, this is what you hear in church. It's not what we want. No. <laughs> we want free will, not some narcissistic God controlling the world. Now we have Matthew nine nine. Why are we only you know consulting one? I was thinking that too. Why are we just talking to Matthew? 
As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. So yeah, all he says is, follow me. Okay, so out of context, just this one thing, a man doing his job, and now this one seems shady. He's like at a tax booth. He's like, follow me. Getting him out of the way? Is there like a crime happening? Right, like are you about to rob me? (laughs) You got somebody over there you're distracting me from? Or no crime. It's just, hey, you know, job sucks. Come on. Yeah. What else do you got going? You got other brothers that can do your dad's work. Why has it got to be you? Yeah. There has to be more to it than what's given. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not free will. Oh, I have a note, note here. He said, follow me. After performing a miracle. So what was the miracle? And he entered into a ship and he passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of palsy lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when multitudes saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. And Jesus passed forth, and he saw a man named Matthew. So yeah, so he did just see him do a miracle. Yeah. And then, yeah, then Matthew would be more like, okay, yeah, I just saw you heal, yeah, sure. Right. (laughs) He had reason to be like, okay, this is some good shit. (laughs) The next one is Acts 9, 1 through 20. Wowie, that's a lot. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Okay, so he actually lost his sight. Whether that's actually like a supernatural thing, or it's just like Jesus' buds like have some way, like just like a big flash or something got his attention and it like burned his eyes or something for a few days. Right. But I think the first time when I was just reading it, like, like Jesus told him to arise and his eyes were open. He saw no man. And as in like the people before just like, oh, they heard a voice, but saw no man. So it was like, oh, okay. So he's not seeing Jesus anymore and just went by that and glazed over the, the, the without sight. Yeah. I feel like I, I even noticed that, but I didn't take it so literally. 
I took it as more of like a metaphorical thing. Yeah, that it's more, okay, the Lord has already like, he's already dropped the glove. It's you conform to me mm-hmm. <laughs> or worse is going to happen to you. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will shew him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. This is an incredible detail. Why is he just like telling a master plan on how this guy will be used to to a child? (laughs) I don't know if it's a child. I'm just projecting a child. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. What if the Holy Ghost was a smoke cloud? Oh my god. You you fill yourself with the Holy Ghost. Well damn, where do you get some of that? Where do you puff on that? I don't know, but if there is not a strain called Holy Ghost, we need to talk to people about that. There's one called Holy Roller. Is there like a ghost one? There's Ghost Train. There's lots of ghost ones. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. Now we just need to combine Holy Roller and Ghost Train and make a new strain called See if Holy that ghost. one's good or something. Yeah. We'll have to have a few different versions. See yeah. what's best. For sure. Okay. That sounds like a really fun venture. <laughs> that does. Like, no, really. I want to be put in contact with people to help with that. I don't know. I mean, we just need to find somebody who grows and can grow strange well, I guess to cross. I don't, I don't need to be in contact myself. I just want some people to know and then tell me that they did it. Heck yeah. <sighs> okay, two or three more verses. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Okay, see, it's always the dogma stuff that just, it's like, I don't know. It's ruining my stoner Jesus thing. Yeah. Whether it happened or not, I'm sticking with stoner Jesus. Oh, and like, yeah. oh man, this this guy Saul, he's a cool guy, but he just he just he just needs to like just 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 get high once and he'll be yeah, like just one time. Because of course, you know, the kids like here, Jesus told me to bring this to you, and then he tried it, and it's like scales fell from his eyes. Like, Whoa, he he received his sight therefore, and then when he had meat, he was strengthened. He got the munchies. 
get that protein, man. <laughs> and then, okay. you know, after that, he's just like, dude, don't call me Saul. Call me Paul. It's Paul now, man. Yeah. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, but, like, didn't, didn't he write this book? Didn't he write Acts? I can look it up. But I don't know. Because if he was tripping, no wonder he saw scales fall from his eyes. <laughs> uh, Luke wrote it. Luke wrote it. Okay. The date was 61. Ooh, 61. <laughs> <laughs> what I took from this is that Jesus had taken his sight or God had taken his sight, which in turn gave me the realization. We, we view Jesus as this, this white good character, you know? Mm-hmm. But he's actually totally like a gray character. He's very morally neutral, which is really interesting to me. Uh huh. Because we don't we don't portray him that way. Like nobody portrays him that way. No, but I think I think people there might be like someone like, well, I mean, Jesus is is like kind of protecting his stronghold he's built up in Damascus because like he knows else like wants to get all his people so it's like stay out it, it was very much like he he knew what he was doing he was like i got these people here and uh you're gonna be part of my crew whether you like it or not so i'm just gonna take away your sight so you don't have a choice and we can get this over with quicker yeah no i mean he's he's like a mastermind like okay is this an ocean's 11 thing as he's going around and collecting people with different trade skills it was when it was like talking about the tax collector too it's yeah. like okay that's a weird job to be specific about mention and say we need like is this just bragging about that this is how we got away with all this stuff that's interesting like a lot of old things are people bragging about what they've done oh my god that is exactly all of norse <laughs> most of greek and roman yeah and Gilgamesh is basically like braggy and then kind of like ah, <laughs> yeah. kind of got that. Wild. A monkey king is all braggy. It's just like okay, here's a new power. Take you out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Don't even get me started on Odin. I've, oh, oh no, Grandpa Odin. This is a whole new way to view the Bible, and it's amazing. It really is. Okay, well, what were we saying? Um, we were talking Jesus about, is a great character. Yeah, he he is. So whether that's good or not, I don't like. Not that he's a great character, but like him him taking a sight because the enemy is coming. But like, try to get like take a sight, but then let them in, kind of thing. Like he mm-hmm. he had he wanted something from Saul. He knew he could get something from Saul, which yeah. was. Because he was so against them, and if he's like, if I can change this man, I can get more. Oh, absolutely! Because uh-huh. that's the thing. Like Saul is viewed as a really bad dude, and he, the part that's overlooked, he's a really powerful, talented, charismatic person. And he's still a bad dude. Changing his name to Paul isn't making him innocent or whatever. Like that—that's the thing. Like okay, when God says he's, you're innocent in his eyes like it's not like oh i have to do good for god it's like you can't do wrong by him that's a really interesting point too i was gonna mention also like he he had all these like all these skills and he was powerful but the fact that he hated jesus and everything that jesus stood for that made things difficult for him so 
Jesus's option was to get rid of him or get him on his side. Yeah. And he was like, this is it. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is the time. We're, we're out of time here. Yeah, that's exactly You're it. You're going to get on my side or you got to go. Like, I remember hearing this in church, but I don't, I don't remember ever getting a takeaway from it. But I mean, that is the takeaway where it's like, this, this was a battle he was preparing for. Yeah, it was. That's really interesting. I've never, ever seen this story this way. I don't know if Henry Blackaby has, because he's using it in this context of he's just listening and doing what God's telling him to do. It's like he's blinded him somehow and just like, get up, come into town. You'll be told what to do. Yeah. That's that's what he says. Exactly. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Those are in red. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What Henry's trying to say here is more like he realized that was Jesus because Jesus was able to to do that he realized jesus was the son of god and he needed to listen and then he did listen and he was rewarded mm-hmm. and if you listen to god and if you follow god you will be rewarded oh, gosh it was everything about rewards and gifts oh, yes if you ask you will be you shall receive and oh all of them back in yeah yeah we're almost done let's see In some cases, God gave more details than in others. We will look at Moses' call and discover God gave him a bigger picture of the assignment than he usually revealed. And then that is circled over and going back to the, like their idea of I, the Lord, do not change. He's changing how much details people need to perform simple tasks. Not just simple tasks, but like, I think that's limiting God in saying that he can only speak to us and, and like do what he wants in small increments <laughs> yeah it's putting god inside a box uh-huh okay so i have a question and i think that there's a christian answer for it but i don't know why does god not talk to people now like he used to talk to people in the old testament what i was told was a mix of things which kind of limits god it's uh I think the main answer is like, well, that's why God invented the Holy Spirit. So he didn't have to show up on his own. And then the other one I heard a lot growing up was, it was that as the universe is expanding and getting filled up with all of our sin, it just pushes him farther and farther away. So he's not able to. So what I'm hearing is that there's no real answer and that Jesus, well, God just stopped talking to us. If creatures that look like wheels with thousands of eyes and wings visited us for real, I imagine they're from a faraway place, and it would take a long time to get back. (laughs) Yes. And technically, God lives at the outside of the universe because it's getting bigger because he has to get farther away from our little dot of sin. Well, now you're putting God in a box again because God is outside time and space. (laughs) Exactly. He's outside the universe. He has to get pushed outside of it because he can't live inside the universe or he has rules. But you're focusing on the space part of it. You're not the time part of it. That means if he's outside of time, he's there at any given moment still because he doesn't have to live it in a linear line like we do. He is 
always there because it's always a small universe and a large universe. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's time. It, he's not like physically pushed anywhere. He's not a being like I've we never, are. I've never thought of it like that, but that's like an answer that is always given to me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that is maybe during the times that he does interact, he actually has to come in down into our time and it kind of messes with him a little bit. So he doesn't like to do that and then comes back out. That again, is limiting him. Yeah, there's no so, excuse. There's no excuse. Other than he doesn't want to talk to us. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of limit him. There's a lot of these things that make very interesting stories, but he can't be all powerful and have interesting stories. Yeah, it's pretty boring. That puts boring. him on the same level as um as the Norse and Greek and Roman gods, you know. Uh huh. Because they yeah. all had their weaknesses. Well, yeah, and his weakness is boredom. Because if he's all powerful, then of course he's just like. I can just do anything. Why do I want to do anything anymore now? Yeah, well, and now I think that Islam is bigger than Christianity in America. Or not in America, in the world, right? Probably. So he doesn't have all the attention anymore because he's not the, the sure god being worshipped yeah. by all of them. Same god, different way to worship. Mm, I disagree. I think they came from the same root place, but I think it's a different god. Because I think that these gods and deities from all of these different religions exist because people follow them and believe that it's true. I well, think that that's entirely, we created them. Well, no, in Islam, it's still from Abraham and his talkings with God, still his story with God. But it comes more from Muhammad and Muhammad's experience. And just as this guy said, you can tell me your experience as much as you want from your point of view. <laughs> But I know my truth. I know the truth is how he said, but they believed they were separate gods. Putting that power and that energy, those words into it, I think is enough to make it its own separate thing. So then I guess in a story sense, yeah, because now you've now created that new god in your mind and you can make the stories your own. Yeah. Okay. Or, or are you also meaning in, in a sense, yeah, we do make the gods because once we make them up, then they're there. I think more so the first thing you were saying, that was my main point, but as like my witchy spiritual self, I definitely think that there is power in words and power in following. And if you believe something enough, that becomes your reality. And I think that there's a lot to that. So I I think that, yeah, absolutely. These entities and, and energies, as I call them, can be created through that. And they have such a following Oh, yeah, I think there's so still quite like, a bit of Pastafarians absolutely, now. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Praise yeah, his new that, Like, literally, spiritually, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how gods are created. I'm still deciding what I feel about gods and goddesses and deities. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever going to decide. <laughs> that's okay. It's not something you have to. It's just something that's been very interesting to me in my path lately. Mm-hmm. Let's see, back in. Yes. In every case, however, the individual had to stay close to God for his daily guidance. For Moses and the children of Israel, God led them through a cloud by day and a fire by night. Just a big old joint. (laughs) Yup. I've seen those, like those huge party ones that you just pass all night long. It doesn't even have to be that, but it's just like... A, you know just a giant torch an incense something that creates like a thick smoke so you can yeah. see it during the day you're trying to lead all these people you gotta get to make sure they don't like wander off 
you need that. that shit. And then, you know, then it's like a bright thing, though. They can follow that at night if they happen to still be moving at night. Like, mm-hmm. it's just obvious. <laughs> it's not that. Yeah. For Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, and Saul, God disclosed little detail about their assignments. He basically said, follow me and I will show you. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know if we need to get into that anymore. Yeah. Kind of bored with saying that same stuff over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. What is God's will? Oh, boy. When people seek to know and do God's will, many ask the question, what is God's will for my life? One of my seminary professors, Gaines S. Dobbins, name drop, used to say, if you ask the wrong question, you will get the wrong answer. Sometimes we assume every question is legitimate. However, when we ask the wrong question, we may find an answer, but remain disoriented to God and his activity. Always check to see whether you have asked the right question before you pursue the answer. Does that sound like something to you? Sound like, what do you mean? This just sounds like tarot reading to me. It does sound like tarot reading. All forms of divination, runes, tarot, uh-huh. um, it's like, okay, well, this is the question you asked, and then you just got to get clarification. Yeah. It's just This is all normal stuff, different way to do it. Yeah, this is literally, prayer, talking to God, is all a form of divination. <laughs> it's all it is. Well, divination and meditation. <laughs> I had a note for this paragraph. I said, so now it's good to keep questioning God, so we randomly guess things until we get it right. That's what you do when meditating or high. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a good point, though. Well, yeah, they're always like, don't question God, do your thing. But then it's like, well, you got to make sure you ask him the right answer. So and he's not going to tell you the right question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ask the right question. So don't listen to your experiences, but also ask the right questions. Yes. But how do you know the right questions? You just gotta ask it. From your experiences. You'll understand it when you ask the right question. Yes, but if you (laughs) ask the wrong question, you're not supposed to learn that that was the wrong question by, you know, from that experience. You're supposed to just poof. Every every answer you get from God is a correct answer, and it is not the wrong question. It is the question you needed most without knowing, because now you don't have to use that as experience because it was a question you asked God. And he did what he wanted to do. Mm, I see. I see. That's a lot of mind gymnastics, but I see. Yep. I can feel my brain all stretched out and limbered up now. Yeah. <laughs> what is God's will for my life is not the right question. Okay, that is the most direct question to get the answer you want. Right. <laughs> I don't know what else you're supposed to ask. I think the proper question is, what is God's will? That feels like the exact same question to me. Now you're it just is, being nitpicky. Yeah. <laughs> same question. What is God's will for my life? Like, okay, yeah, this is my life. I'm giving to him. What does he want me to do with it? Now it's just like, what is God's will? Like, I think it's more of the, you're supposed to remove yourself from it. And because this is, it's selfless. But I'm like, it's still the same thing. And this is just an English thing too. Because I mean, translate in other ways. It's You're going to have to like put emphasis on like, the the individual part rather than like a plural thing or whatever yeah. it's like that's dumb once i know god's will then i can adjust my life to him in other words what is it god is proposing to accomplish where i am once i know what god is doing then i know what i need to do the focus needs to be on god not on my life 
Not on my life. There was a print uh, exclamation point. <laughs> when I want to learn how to know and do God's will, I can find no better model than Jesus's life during his approximate 33 years on earth. Like, you won't listen to a 33-year-old right now. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. That. You won't listen to a 33-year-old now, but you're telling me if Jesus was alive today, you'd be following him? No, the fuck you wouldn't. You wouldn't listen to him to know that he's Jesus. <laughs> oh, this is great. He perfectly completed every assignment the Father gave him. He never failed to do the will of the Father. He never sinned. Would you like to understand how Jesus came to know and do his Father's will? I would like to think if he's part of this trinity that his father is also part of, he would just kind of know, you know? Yeah. That's a little different because he's both human and God, and we're not God at all. Uh-huh. That's why we have to have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so we can know what God wants from us. Get a little bit of that. Again, Holy another Spirit. part of that trinity that we are not a part of. <laughs> okay, so then he wants us to go on... For our third activity, read John 5, 17, then 19 to 20. So I find that interesting because 17 starts at the end of a different section and then 18 is its own section titled Jesus is equal with God. And then it, it just skips over that entirely and goes right to the authority of the sun. I just find that interesting. All right, 17. But Jesus answered them. My father is working until now, and I am working. Oh, he's taking over for God. Mm -hmm. That's not a trick. He's just picking up, like, yeah. there's a new God in town. <laughs> Want to meet him? <laughs> now we're skipping 18? Yes, and then we'll go back and read it. Yeah. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. Okay. But 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Okay, so yeah, they were doing the things that they were taught to do. Like, they, they didn't believe this was their messiah. It was... Right. Uh, who's this man claiming to be the son of God? Like, yeah. we need to check this out. Like, like how dare you? This is blasphemous. Uh-huh. So, of course this is going to happen. Right? Yeah. It says, who is always at work in those verses? Um, The verses don't say always at work in my translation, but the father... And Jesus. And then how much can the son do by himself? Nothing. Nothing on his own accord. What does the son do? Only what he sees the father doing. Why does the father show the son what he is doing? Love. Love? Love. It says the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Okay. I think when I read it before, I picked up, like, as in just teaching. So then 
so that the son does better than him. Ah. Like, because I, I was, like, like, again, if this is supposed to make us, like, in the most non-blasphemous way ever, but who cares, like, to be better than God. Yeah. Because the father teaches the son everything that he does, and the son can't do it. He, he wouldn't be able to do this trade without his dad teaching him. To, mm-hmm. And he's like, look, look at all these things you can do with this. And just trying to inspire, and then the son would take over. And then he'd have to learn how to do it himself and hopefully do things better than his dad did. And so yeah. maybe in, in a, another viewpoint. So if we're supposed to be better than God, then that means we must already all be like God. And he has a problem that we need to be able to be in work past so we can move on to the next part of our eternal lifetime. Oh, shit. You're we right. We have to progress. It's a, so right. it's a good place test. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel that. But also, I can totally translate this into, like, a stoner Jesus thing. Yeah, let's hear it. Oh, yeah, totally. Because it's like, hey, look, your dad's always at work. And what are you going to do? You're going to take over your dad's job. You're the old. Whatever. That, that's, that's what you have to do, okay? Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're just going to do what your dad does. So it's like, why don't you go do something else? Yeah. You have nothing here. Be better. Let's <laughs> do this. Spread good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, this is how we should really be living. This mm-hmm. could just be like a, a high rant. Yeah. It could. It really could. That's how I feel most of the Bible is. Because he's talking about first, okay, what are you doing as your father? And to me, yeah, it does sound like, okay father does this you do this so then he's like but then you know why does he do it because he loves him because this is great and now it's like all that and then you should really yeah. be proud of him like and if you're not doing it that's not right and it's like hear my word you believe me like you'll have a good life and look this is true like trust me why why always the true true the verily verily that's just yeah. that's a stumble you're right i i say true true i say true true <laughs> <laughs> like there's tangents in this you're right he's like just believe me guys my dad is eternal <laughs> he's not gonna die man okay that's he's on a big trip he's actually okay but he says he he gets into that later he he does he's not gonna die okay so then yeah he kept doing stuff and he did have he did meet god at some point <laughs> and he's like oh i am Man, he was on some ayahuasca or something. Yeah, and he like, he's like, remember, you were born in a barn. Like, isn't that interesting? And, then next, yeah. and he's like, oh, yeah, God told me about a time that this happened. <laughs> it's definitely ayahuasca that they're doing, not, not shrooms. Ayahuasca. <laughs> that would make so much sense. We're going to go sit in the desert, <laughs> trip on ayahuasca for a few days. <laughs> oh, my God. When was DMT made? I don't know. That one probably wouldn't have been around then. No, that's more of a... I know, that's a new like, But I'm yeah. just curious now. But the interesting thing about that is DMT is a um, naturally occurring chemical in your brain. It's the sleep chemical that produces when you dream. And when you die, all of it's released. And it's supposed to make it a more euphoric moment for you so it's not painful when you die. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. But that's what DMT is synthesized to 
If you take too much, would it trick your body into thinking you're dying and shut anything down? It wouldn't shut anything down, but people experience ego death if they take too much sometimes. What is ego death? You feel like you lose your sense of self. You, like, lose your identity. You, you feel like you don't know who you are anymore. Oh. You have to, like, relearn who you are. Oh, weird. It's a wild thing. They talk about it a little bit in Midnight Gospel. Uh, yeah, that did sound familiar. Oh, let's see. Let's see, some people read these verses and have difficulty understanding that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully human. Our minds can't fully grasp the truth that Jesus and the Father are one. Uh, John fifteen nine, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. That's not really saying that the Jesus and Father are one. That's just saying, look, like, look, the universe loves you. I love you. Yeah. And I love you the same. That doesn't mean it's the, I am the same person. Let's see. We will look at their oneness more later. But make no mistake, Jesus is God and he lived on earth in human flesh. And they're just saying, like, this is such a crazy idea that no one's ever thought of before. Wink, wink. Wink. <laughs> Never, ever. Jesus watched to see where his father was at work and joined him. Jesus' approach to knowing and doing his father's will can be outlined like this. Oh, an outline. The father has been working right up until now. Now the father has me working. I do nothing on my own initiative. I watch to see what the father is doing. I do what I see what the father is doing. The father loves me. He shows me everything he is doing. Okay, we just talked about this. This is a verse. This is boring. Okay, look. Like, this time... I feel like, like they're really just beating it into you. Yeah, but it's also, it's like, also could have just been talking about, like, when he was coming of age as a young carpenter. It's oh, just yes. like, Jesus, I need you to... <laughs> it's such a weird thing to think of. I think that was a name just used normally, because otherwise it's just like, Jesus, I need help with this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to help me make these chairs. I, I, I can't get them out fast enough. Yeah, Jesus, I need you to do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's so funny. My dad used to talk a lot about, could you imagine what, what it would be like to be a sibling of Jesus? Jesus told me to. Now, now don't start that again. <laughs> and now thinking about it, I'm like, damn, can you actually imagine that? That'd be awful. <laughs> like, you would never get attention. Nobody not, would give a fuck about you. <laughs> not if they really knew he was Lord. Like They don't talk about Jesus' brother. He had a brother, right? I have no clue. I feel like he had several siblings. And they don't talk about him. Barely. Because he wasn't close to him. Because they all hated him. Because he got all the attention. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they were like, this again. And that's why he's like, look, I don't want dad's job. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know. Oh, oh gosh, what if what if it wasn't him making it up, but like, you know, then his parents making it up and he's like trying to live up and do all this stuff. Oh, God. Like, oh, my gosh, there's all this pressure. You're, you're brainwashed into thinking you are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what I assume happened. Like, like, I mean. People do crazy things with their kids right now. Yeah. Why not back then? <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be real. The whole virgin birth thing. She got pregnant with some dude and didn't want to tell her husband. 
Shoot. I mean, she could have been raped. We don't know. You know the world back then. Well, I mean, going off the exact Bible story, she kind of was. Because it's just like, hey, hold up, Mary. You got a baby in there. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) She didn't know. Yeah. Like, where did this baby come from? Don't worry. It's God's. What? (laughs) Excuse me? He was, God was doing his will. Yeah. (laughs) Not Mary's will. Wow. (laughs) It's like, you know, that's how it all started. So she just had to like keep it up. He's no different than. Son of God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's been too long now. Not going back. Like Joseph knew, like, you're totally lying, but your dad's going to kill me. So we got to go hard. We're going all in or we're not going at all. (laughs) (sighs) Back in? Yeah. This model applies to your life personally and also to your church. It is not a step-by-step approach for knowing and doing God's will. It describes a love relationship through which God accomplishes his purpose. I sum it up this way. Watch to see where God is working and join him. Okay, so let's see. Last little section. God is always at work around you. So he isn't pushed away. Right now, God is working all around you as well in your life. One of the greatest tragedies among God's people is that although they deeply long to experience God, they are encountering him day after day, but do not recognize him. By the end of this course, you will have learned many ways to clearly identify God's activity in and around your life. The Holy Spirit and God's word will instruct you and will help you know when and where God is working. Once you know where he is active, you will adjust your life to join him in his activity. Join him in his activity. You will experience God accomplishing his purposes through your life. When you enter this kind of intimate love relationship with God, you will know and do his will and experience him in ways you have never known before. You cannot achieve this by following a spiritual formula. Only God can bring you into this kind of relationship. Okay, activity four. Turn to the diagram inside the back cover of this book. Read all seven of the realities of experiencing God. Personalize the first statement and write it below using me instead of you. A diagram. Experiencing God. Here we go. We have God in a cloud. Then there's like a big arrow. Number one says God's work is this stick man. That stick man is God's work. And then number seven. Okay, we go the other way. (laughs) Number two is a relationship. We're now back to the God cloud and he's pointing at a stick dick man praying at fire and three is invitation so relationship is just kind of happen i don't know if he's ever had a relationship with any well no they do kind of just happen but there's got to be something that starts it yeah (laughs) i think invitation comes before relationship you gotta be invited yeah okay i would agree with that then number four okay god's speaking at the pray fire guy and then five is a crisis of belief. So you're like, oh no, was I questioning this too much? Am I still a Christian that I did this? So number six is adjust. Oh. Adjust. Make sure you're being Christian enough. Seven, obey and experience. Yuck. And that's the end of the arrow. So then you start over and I guess this would continue back and forth with God. Like, okay, we're at God again. God's putting you somewhere. See, I guess crisis of belief should be like number two then or something. Yeah. Because then this starts this little downward fall. And then, because if you don't have one, then it's just like you can do God's work. And then that would just straight to seven. You're obeying and experiencing. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, a statement. Oh, lots of things to read. Because he wanted to do the personalize the, the statements and make oh. them me's instead of you's or whatever. See, 
God is always at work around me. God pursues a continuing love relationship with me that is real and personal. God invites you to become involved. Oh, sorry. He invited me to become involved with him in his work. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. There's no you. God's invitation for me to work with him always leads me to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. Okay, why do you pray to a God who's going to trouble you in every action he's going to give you? Every invitation to work with him leads you to a crisis of belief. Why are you putting yourself in that anxiety and that path to be like, I don't know if I can do this, God. And he's like, you will. You will, motherfucker. I still own you. Because a relationship with God is deeply rooted in abuse, narcissism, and Stockholm Syndrome. You feel the need to come back. You love your abuser. Yeah. Number six, you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he's doing. Yeah. Anybody who doesn't agree, get them out. They don't deserve to be in your life. Let's see. Don't talk to your friends and family that disagree. You come to know God by experience as you obey him, and he accomplishes his work through you. You can't tell me that that doesn't sound like your textbook abusive relationship. I can't tell you it doesn't. (laughs) (sighs) Let's see our summary statements for this, this lesson today. The Bible is my guide for faith and practice. Technically. The right question is, what is God's will? Um, sort of. Watch to see where God is working and join him. That's the thing that happened. And God is always at work around me, depending on how you translate God. (laughs) Uh, Review today's lesson. Pray and ask God to identify one or more statements of scriptures he wants you to understand, learn, or practice. Yeah, what was the most meaningful statement or scripture from this episode? Let's see. I think it was really interesting seeing... The little amount of context that's put in when speaking to the disciples. I think that that's more of a difference in writing styles. Because if you look at that, all of the short ones were written in Matthew and the other one was in Acts. (laughs) They're written by different people. Yeah. But I thought that that was kind of interesting. I especially thought Saul's was was interesting. Matthew was the dude, bro. So he's like, we just got it. Yeah, we're just like, here you go. Follow me, man. Let's go. (laughs) I mean, Matthew is totally a dude, bro name. Yeah. It's like Chad of then. (laughs) But whitewashed, you know, the whitewashed version of Chad. Because who knows what his real name was? It wasn't Matthew. (laughs) Let's be real. (laughs) What was the most meaningful thing for you? I have father teach his son to be better than him. Are we to be better than God? Not automatically, but like to strive to be. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's our goal as parents too. Like to teach your kids and give your kids what you didn't have so they can be better. Isn't that what God would want for his children too? Mm -hmm. Like you don't want to go to a parent and be like, I am perfect. Be like me, children. Right. It's fun to joke that they're little mini-me's, but is, you want them to be better than you. But, I mean, that that's narcissism. Is that yeah. like you, you, get, you have children so that they can become you because you think you're so great and you need them to, to continue being you. Hello, Mom. <laughs> <laughs>
so that's yeah it's not a good father no it's a narcissistic abusive parent Mm -hmm. such a manipulative guy we did excellent today yeah we did look at that send it off oh yeah catch you later guys see ya (laughs) Hey buddies, Mary here. If today's episode sparked something for you or you have questions for us, send us an email at thehighpriestbiblestudy at gmail.com. You can stay up to date on new episodes and merch releases through Instagram or check us out on Facebook if that's more your style at the Bible Study. That's at the H-I-G-H-B-L-E study. Just to keep you on your toes, find us on Twitter at the Bible Study. That's spelled the H-I-B-L-E study. Check out our subreddit, r slash the high priest, for references to some things that we've talked about in various episodes, as well as some memes. We also have a threadless shop, shop.thehighpriest.show. There's almost always new merch popping up there, so be sure to check back regularly. Or, if you want to just make it all that much more simple, all of these links are on our website, thehighpriest.show. Every link I've already mentioned, as well as some different platforms that you can listen to the show on. Rate us and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. And don't forget to subscribe so that you get notified of new episodes directly from the platform that you listen on. Besides, it's that much easier to share with your friends when it's at the top. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate you, and I'll catch you in the next episode.